Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. <laughs> I am really happy to have been close enough to my microphone on this news day. On the one hand, it came out very recently actually last night, that Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano um, had a speech that he'd prepared in a video that he sent to the Catholic Identity Conference that evidently did not get played, and probably because the thesis of his video was more in-depth, more in-detail, and a bigger accusation? I guess that's the word potentially condemnation than what Father Altman did these last couple of weeks. In addition to that, five cardinals led by Raymond Cardinal Burke and Robert Cardinal Seurat and Joseph Cardinal Zen as well as two others whose names I don't recall off the top of my head published and publicized a new dubia. Which makes the second dubia that has been published and publicized during this pontificate. It is kind of a big deal as all of these things are beginning to intersect. And 
while I have nothing but the utmost regard and deepest love for Bishop Athanasius Schneider, it would seem that the argument in opposition to him is gaining a little bit of ground. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sanctum Michael Arcangela, defendenos in proelio, contra nequitiam et insidias diabolios o praesidium, imperetili deas supplicas de precamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, santana malios que spiritus malignos que ad perditionum animarum, vervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum de trude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Sancta Michael Arcangela, ora pro nobis. Exurge Domine, defende Ecclesiam Tuam. Domine, ostende facem Tuam et salvierimus. Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Big, big news day within the Catholic Church. Because in addition to all of that, it would seem that one of uh, Pope Francis's appointees is also in some significant trouble. Um, I don't remember his title. And judging by the judging by the pin, or the excuse me, not the pin, the thumbnail. Um, actually, no, I can't really tell because it's difficult to see the uh, the trim on the collar. <clears throat> but Fernandez, uh, who's a recent appointee apparently is facing protest as his um, penchant for covering up for, you know, the Theodore McCarrick progeny uh, seems to be coming to light. And not just the Theodore McCarrick progeny, but, you know, like Father Rupnik and all that. So there's a lot going on today, on this feast day of the Guardian Angels. <laughs> Goodness gracious, who'd have knew? All right, <clears throat> where to start? I don't even know where to start. That's basically everything we're going to cover. I just don't know where to start. Um, let's start with Father Altman. So, Father Altman put out a video uh, a couple of weeks back accusing Pope Francis of heresy for 20 separate... And the video he put out was 20 individual items that were heretical. Places, places where he deviated from the deposit of the faith, from dogma and doctrine, and the whole nine yards. 20 different spots. There was a response from Bishop Athanasius Schneider. Now, you can believe what you want about Bishop Schneider. What I don't believe is I don't believe that he's rejecting the faith. I also don't know what his theological and ecclesiological education consists of. I have no idea. I haven't got the slightest idea. What I absolutely know about Bishop Schneider is that he's definitely a man of goodwill. There's no one who's ever met him who doesn't believe that he's a, that he's a holy bishop. And, there's, and it's a funny thing about holy priests in that they... 
tend to suffer from the defect that they can get themselves into heaven, but they might accidentally not get the people who follow them into heaven. And, I mean, such is life. If you really want to get into heaven, then when you find a holy priest, then you do everything that you can to emulate said holy priest. And I would highly advise anybody who's ever, you know, if you've got any kind of track record with seeing, with seeing Bishop Athanasius Schneider, he is definitely the kind of person that you want to follow and, em and emulate. That does not stop him from maybe making mistakes here or there. And I'm beginning to suspect that he might be mistaken. Is what it is. The other that now the other side of the controversy is going to say, well, you know, he's, you know, he's teaching what the church has always taught, and the question actually is, is he though? How much does he know about what it is that he's talking about? I don't know. I've never met the man. I only know that I, he is absolutely, with all evidence that I've seen thus far, absolutely a Catholic man, a bishop of goodwill. Period. That's as far as I can go. If Whether or not he's right or wrong, couldn't tell you. What I do know is that in embracing his argument, we as a church have an opportunity to expand, develop, and defend what it is the church teaches on papal infallibility. Because papal infallibility is more complex than a lot of people would have it. And I will tell you that the Francis defenders, the ones who defend him to the ends of the earth, and the set of contests, both suffer from this defect of understanding about papal infallibility. Both of them, the ones who are defending him to the ends of the earth, they're making a, they are making a terrible error. And the ones who and the ones who say that the sea is vacant, and we don't even have to worry about it, don't even know like what's what's your deal, pickle? They are mistaken in exactly the same way. They're mistaken they they are both treading into the into the heresy of ultramontanism, which is dangerous. It's bloody dangerous. It is more dangerous now, given, given the fact that so many indications are leading that we might very well be heading into the end times. And if we are, then the ultramontanists are going to find themselves seriously on the wrong side of history. And I pray, I pray, I pray that they are all in a sanctifying state of grace, I pray that they have uh, uh, what is it, uh, final uh, final penitence. I pray that their faith has fortitude, and I pray that they are living absolutely holy lives. But if their discussion on social media is any indicator, there might be some flaws there too. Now, that's the argument in favor of Bishop Athanasius Schneider. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, and this is kind of a key thing to keep in, keep in mind, we're not talking about a disagreement between two laymen. This isn't Taylor Marshall and Matt Frad or 
you know, Mike Parrott or Mike Church or or even, you know, like this isn't a dispute between like Kennedy Hall and Caleb the McCann. This is a dispute, a disagreement, not a, I wouldn't even fully put it in dispute, a disagreement between two princes of the church. And that is a really important thing to keep in mind. This is a disagreement between two princes of the church. And mind you, it's not a very large disagreement per se, because both are absolutely defending the Catholic faith. They are both defending the deposit of the faith. Their approach to this particular scenario wildly differs. Archbishop Viganò just released a 37-minute video in which he details not just the problems with the, with the Bergoglio papacy, but details things that we should absolutely be questioning. Things that, questions that absolutely need answers. Because he detailed that people, that people have raised concerns about some interference in the papal election. People have raised concerns about Pope Benedict XVI's retirement. People have raised those concerns, and given the conduct of what happened after Pope Benedict's retirement and during the Francis reign, there are valid concerns because it appears, for all intents and purposes, that the papacy was bifurcated. Because when the bishops came for their ad limina visit, they didn't just talk with Francis, they also talked with Benedict. When they came, when they came, when the cardinals came for their consistory, they didn't just talk with Francis, they also talked with Benedict. Francis wasn't the one who gave the papal the apostolic blessing in those, by the way. For those of you who have never seen any of the footage, Benedict gave the apostolic blessing. That poses some critical theological and ecclesiological problems. It, pro it, it poses some serious problems for the papacy and how it's understood in the Catholic Church. In effect, by appearance, and whether or not that's, ab ab that's true, honestly, I don't, wanna, I don't even want to dive into that argument because I'm, not even, because I'm not even here to argue my case. All I'm doing in this is laying out what the field looks like right now. And it appears that there was a bifurcation of the papacy while, while Benedict was still alive. And that it was, while there was only one pope, I mean, Benedict said this repeatedly, during the reign of Francis, what Francis was not, according to his own claim, was the vicar of Christ. And Benedict most certainly was in all of his actions and all of his behavior. Now, you have the question to Benedict's retirement, or resignation rather, you have the question about the conclave as to whether as to whether or not there was some sort of predetermination going into the conclave that Jorge Mario Bergoglio was going to come out on the other side as Pope Francis. And this is important ridiculously important. If 
there was shenanigans, which for all by all accounts, and by the way, the original, what was it? The original, it's like the first edition of of the uh, the or one of the early Austin Ivory um, biographies. The first edition of that book actually details the shenanigans that went down in the in the in the conclave that elected Francis. Now, they've removed it for subsequent editions, but the first edition of the book had that chapter in it where they were bragging about how they had basically gained the system to get Bergoglio into, into, uh, into the papacy. This is, a, this is an important key thing because the way they bragged about it and what they said they did was in direct contravention to the apostolic constitution and canon law. Both. Which means, potentially, his selection as Pope was invalid. <clears throat> Archbishop Vigano goes further and illustrates that based on Francis's conduct, he had no intention of accepting the holy office of the papacy he had no intention of actually being a successor to St. Peter. He had another intention. And that other intention appears to be converting the Catholic Church into the chapel of the New World Order. And that's my summary because there's a lot more detail in it and I, don't, I can't really get into the whole thing. But his argument from the start is that Francis had no intention of being the Holy Father, the servant of the servants of God, the vicar of Christ. He instead had intention of becoming a head of state that would move and be the head of state that would move the one holy Catholic and apostolic church away from all of its 2,000 year old traditions into something new and foreign and alien to what Catholic actually is. And this can be evidenced by Querida Amazonia. This can be evidenced by Fratelli Tutti. This can be evidenced by Laudato Si. And it can be evidenced by Amoris Laetitia. And keeping in mind, of course, that he is also getting ready here in the next few days to release Laudato Si 2. And nobody knows what the title is going to be, but it is effectively... You know, Laudato C2, Climate Change Boogaloo. Also keep in mind that he has come out and made an edit, we can call it an edit, to be as polite as possible, to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, wherein he says that capital punishment, that the death penalty, is no longer admissible. Now, I would argue that even Pope John Paul II's Version, the original version of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, was a little bit wishy-washy and not, not quite right. More accurately, I can say that it is absolutely written by somebody who has never been involved in any country's prison system. Because the moment you get involved in that prison system, you, you immediately realize that, in all honesty, capital punishment would be a mercy. Not just a mercy for some of the most heinous criminals but more so a mercy for those who are kept in the same cages with those most heinous criminals. <clears throat> but the Catholic Church has never 
taught against the death penalty. Not ever. Even with the wishy-washy language in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, they still did not teach and change the whole perspective of the church. They simply said that given the current circumstances, again, like I said, it was written by somebody, it was written like somebody who had never even seen a prison system in the Western world. Given the current circumstances, there would be, there are probably better ways to handle it than the death penalty. And Francis just came out and said it's inadmissible. And he's coming out against nukes, which is weird. I mean, admittedly, I'm not a big fan of nukes. I just got done doing a whole podcast talking about some of the heinous weapons we've developed in the 20th century. Um, it wasn't the whole podcast, but <clears throat> but you get the idea. Like we we definitely have crossed some lines when it when it comes to just war, because war today is anything but just. And then there's the dubia. The first dubia came out about Amoris Laetitia, and this is kind of important, because the first dubia came out about Amoris Laetitia, talking about divorced and remarried couples, talking about, <clears throat> and, and that was scandalous enough. But then he's also kind of come out and talked about contraception, and he's also kind of talked, like he's, like he's come out and talked about it, but he hasn't come out full against like the church has always taught, in fact, he and his people have been saying, well, you know, there might be some circumstances where... And I'm going to be blunt. If you don't want to have a baby, rather than interfering with the coital act, chemically or physically, don't commit the coital act. The Roman Catechism says that all Christians are called to chastity. Conveniently, it's the first line in the section on the 6th and 9th commandments in the Catechism of the Catholic Church says exactly the same thing. All Christians are called to cat are called to chastity. So be chaste. <clears throat> Chemical interference or physical interference with condoms or whatever, or diaphragms or whatever, that's unacceptable. Birth control is unacceptable. Intrauterine devices are unacceptable. Sodomy is unacceptable. And what we've been hearing creep out, creep out of the curia and out of the higher levels of the church is that, well... There can be cases when. And that's just garbage. There are no cases when. The church has taught from the beginning, from before it was called church, when it was still synagogue. From the time of Melchizedek, for crying out loud, it's been the same. And that's part and parcel what the first dubia was about. Because it came out and said, hey, you said these things. And that dubia went unanswered. 
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. For many years now. I don't even know the day count. I think it's like 4,000 days. And they eventually publicized it. Hey, they're not answering? This is what we've been asking, because this is kind of a concern. Now we have a second dubia. And this dubia is on the eve of the synod and synodality, and included in the dubia, and mind you, this is a second dubia where they've clarified themselves. So this is actually the second go-round of the second dubia. Because the first time around, they said, hey, the synod on synodality, what exactly is synodality, and how is that actually leading the governance of the church? And, hey, these things have been said by these people talking about blessing of, of homosexual unions. And what exactly is the church teaching? And all of that, and Francis gave a response, and even in the response, you got that last sentence at each answer, where you're just kind of like, but the question might still be open. But we're still looking at it. So included in this one is, is the, the idea of administering holy orders to females, the blessing of same-sex unions, the, the, gover- the proper governance format of the church, because the church has always been a hierarchical format, and synods are supposed to be tools employed by the Pope as advisory bodies. They're not actually supposed to be governing bodies of the church, and what's going on with that? And oh, hey, by the way, divorce and remarriage and this, that, and the other, and priestly celibacy, etc., they, they repose these. And they reposed them because the response came back and it was more ambiguous, dangerously ambiguous, 
in those responses. And so they reposed it and then they got no answer back. And so now they've publicized that they've posed this new dubia. And this now makes the second time that a dubia will probably go unanswered by Francis on the eve of the synod on synodality. And it's important to note that two of the signers of this were signers of the first dubia. The other two signer because originally the original dubia was signed by four cardinals and two of them have, have since gone on to their eternal reward. <clears throat> May they rest in peace. But you have two of the original signers of the first dubia now signing on this one with three more. And it is vitally important to note that Cardinal Zen is number five on this one. Why is this why is it important that Cardinal Zen's on this one? Because Cardinal Zen also couldn't get an audience. He came in from China and tried to get an audience with Pope Francis and got the door instead. And then ended up returning to Hong Kong just to be incarcerated for a while and charged and charged and has basically been living homeless in China. Till he was finally able to escape back to the Vatican. And again, still nothing. So you've got Car so you've got Cardinal Walter Braunmuller, you've got Cardinal Burke, you've got Cardinal Seurat, you've got Cardinal Zen, and I really wish I could remember how to say uh, oh, and Cardinal Iniguez si signed on to signed on to this dubia. And this is important for a couple of reasons. One, these cardinals don't all come from one location. Cardinal Brandmuller is European. Cardinal Burke is obviously American. Cardinal Zen is Chinese. Cardinal Leniguez, I think, is from either Central or South America. Cardinal Seurat is an African cardinal. You have five continents represented. The only one you don't have is you don't have Australia for the populated continents. You have five continents represented in this. You effectively have a <clears throat> sampling of the entirety of the Catholic Church. And you can make some arguments as to whether or not, you know, having Australia involved, given the fact that they're part of the United Kingdom, um, and the UK is part of Europe and still in the Anglo, Anglo sphere, <clears throat> you know, you, you, can, you can make the argument one way or another. <clears throat> but that's now Europe, Asia, both North and South America, and Africa, all, si all signed on to this. All looking now simply for yes or no. And they flat out said, you've been, you've been dissembling and even your new answers are not, you know, we asked you to clarify and you didn't. So please, just answer this with a simple yes or no. We've got five questions. Yes or no. What's going on here? I suspect this will go unanswered until after the synod and synodality. And we'll see, because we could be mistaken. It's probably at least going to go unanswered until after the publication of Laudato C2. And it may go infinitely unanswered. And that'll be the next question. At this point, at that point, it'll be significantly more important. Because now, if this goes unanswered for a period of time, 
Now the question is going to be, what are the Cardinals going to do about it? And when you have the argument that's made by Father James Altman, which everything he said about heresy about heresy coming coming from the papacy, <clears throat> not from the papacy, let me rephrase, from Francis in particular, everything he said is confirmably true. Even his response about the millstone, that's in scripture. The inerrant, infallible word of God. So the question becomes, what are we going to do about it? And we can make the debates with all of the theologians, you know, all of the so-called theologians, and I mean, don't get me wrong, they're going to. But in addition to the heresy stuff, Archbishop Viganò also pointed something out that is really, really important. If you look at the conduct of Pope Francis, the conduct of Pope Francis has been pretty much identical to the conduct of the Democratic Party in the United States. Which is to say, if you're a friend of the party, if you're a friend of the people in the White House, if you're a friend of the people in the deep state, then you don't have anything to worry about. You can burn down cities, you can cause a ruckus, you can pull fire alarms in the Capitol building, you can, you can occupy congressional offices and disrupt congressional business, you can do all of that stuff. <clears throat> you can try to, you can burn down St. John's Church across the street and try to burn down the White House, and it will be perfectly fine for you. But if you pray in front of an abortion clinic, praying that God closes the abortion clinic, you're going to prison. If you show up at the Capitol looking for redress of grievance, well, guess what? You're not just going to the prison. You're not just going to prison. You're going to prison for a decade and a half at least. And oh, hey, by the way, you don't even actually have to show up at the Capitol, and we'll put you in prison for 22 years just for being opposition. And if you're any of the other people in power, any of the other politicians, then we're going to investigate you. And we're going to try and rake you over the coals and we're going to smear your name and we're going to drag you into court and we're going to deny you secret service and we're going to do everything that we can in order to completely disrupt everything that it is, everything that there is about your life so that you cannot interfere with our agenda. And if you look, the same is true for Francis. Lest we forget, he just asked for the resignation of Bishop Joseph Strickland. Lest we forget that Bishop Strickland just had to put up with an apostolic visitation. Lest we forget that Carmelite sisters, traditional Carmelite sisters, Carmelite sisters who follow their vocation in accordance with the universal tradition of the church, up to and including attend, uh, uh, celebrating only the apostolic mass, The Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate. The Bishop of San Juan. All of these people have been terminated, fired, suppressed, or scuttled in some way, shape, or form. They've had their offices and their vocations disrupted by the Vatican, by Francis's henchmen. 
But Father James Martin gets personal letters from the Pope and gets and gets a private audience where even Joseph Cardinal Zen doesn't get a private audience with the Pope, despite being a prince of the church, despite being a cardinal, despite being really, really freaking important in an area that is suffer that where Christians and Catholics in particular are suffering tremendous persecution. People like Bishop Fernandez get appointments to major congregations. Do they still? No, they call them dicasteries now, don't they? Anyway, get ma- bishops like Fernandez get major dicastery appointments despite being a cover-up artist for priests like Father Rupnik. Father Rupnik, who was expelled and excommunicated by the Jesuits. And I, just wrap your brain around this. James Martin S.J. is a Jesuit. He's not getting expelled. He's not being censured. He's being promoted by the Jesuits. He's being lauded by the Jesuits. Most of the Jesuits are pretty much in line with him. Which is why it's not terribly a surprise that Father Rubnik, after being expelled and excommunicated by the Jesuits, had his excommunication lifted and evidently his faculties returned? I don't really know that whole situation. I just know that he's operating pretty much exactly the way he did before. Despite actually being ordered to spend time in a particular location, he's in the Vatican, hamming it up, giving talks, teaching. After vile assaults, against religious sisters and a catastrophic abuse of the sacrament of penance and reconciliation. To the extent that one of the sisters has gone public, I know of at least one. I haven't read any of the art. It turns my stomach just thinking about what this man did to them. But he gets rehabilitated personally by Francis. And that, in all honesty, is to say nothing of his recent speeches in Mongolia where he tries to rehabilitate the the reputation of one Father Pierre Tellard de Chardin, a priest who was instrumental in corrupting everything that came out of the Vatican, the Second Vatican Council, a priest who had been suppressed, who had been ordered to not teach, whose books had been put, in, put on the forbidden book list. They were forbidden to be translated into other languages. His theology was that bad, probably because he was demon-possessed. And Francis is in Mongolia lauding him. Now, I am still fairly solidly in the position that we have an opportunity to truly teach what papal infallibility means. I don't know what that's necessarily going to look like, because maybe papal infallibility does take the slightly more ultramontanist position. I say slightly more. It automatically, whatever the church determines in the after it, through this course... 
should be actually the key principle precept, and I guess you could almost say the final word on what to do when you have a heretic pope. What to do when you have a pope who's a criminal. In addition to being a heretic. In addition to basically being apostate. In addition, <clears throat> what do you do when the pope commits blasphemy? Because that's what you're committing when you say that Christ is a communist. Communism is absolutely incompatible with Christianity. There is no compromise between the two at all. So it is blasphemy in the highest form to say that Christ is a communist. And when it's the Pope who does that, what do you do? Not to mention, we're really going to have to get in and figure out all this canon law stuff about papal elections and papal conclaves. Because Archbishop Vigano also brought up a few issues. Because the argument saying, well, he's universally accepted, everybody, everybody accepts that he's Pope, well, there's problems with that. And that, and that case actually comes up with Pope Urban VI and Pope Clement the second, uh, Seventh, where the Western schism that was caused by that was also, also laid the groundwork for the Avignon Papacy. And it was 39 years before the Papacy part was fixed. kind of important, don't you think? Like, well, it's universal consent and the church has a limited amount of time to object. Yeah. Except, no. That doesn't prove out with history. As the good archbishop says. And he cited sources. He brought the he brought the receipts. Kind of important to it's it is vitally important to understand that these things have to be worked out. Now, on a practical level for the lay faithful, we don't really have to concern ourselves over much with this. Too much. You do have to pay attention because whatever comes out of this, we have to know because we are required as the injunction at the beginning of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, while I'm not the biggest fan of that book, the fact is, is that the first page of that book says explicitly from Pope St. John Paul II that Catholics are responsible to learn their faith and understand it because that's the only way that each of us individually is going to be able to properly work out our salvation with fear and trembling and actually make it through to the last day, especially, which is especially important if we're in the la if we're actually in the last days of the church it appears that this is the time of the great apostasy and the reason it appears that way is because i mean can you picture what what would you call a great ap apostasy cuz correct me if i'm wrong if the whole church apostatizes doesn't that look like the whole world rejecting christ rejecting the faith rejecting the gospel and is that not what we have today is that not why we're here today? So you do kind of have to keep an eye on it. A bit. But Catherine of Siena, but St. Catherine of Siena was on one side, 
and I think he said it was Louis de Montfort, St. Louis de Montfort, was on the other side of the papal argument. And I know St. Bernard and St. Dominic were on different sides between anti-popes. These things have happened before. Being mistaken as to who the Pope is or whether or not all of these other all of these other upper level church things is not that important. What is important is keeping an eye out for the final outcome so that you can understand it relative to what we already know about the deposit of the faith. Relative to what we already know coming out of sacred scripture and the magisterium and sacred tradition. We have to keep an eye on these things only that far. We do not, however, have to worry about them. I am not a bishop. I am not a priest. I am not even someplace where there's a bunch of Catholics. I am out at the corner of no and where in the middle of the Badlands. I don't actually have to worry about that. It's good to know about it in conversation <clears throat> so that these questions can be answered because the real sad state of affairs is that the vast majority of people who call themselves Catholic don't even know this is going on. They're completely unawares. All they're doing is following whatever, whatever happens to feel good, which is horrifying because the vast majority of Catholics are going to feel good their way right into hell. So these discussions are definitely important to have. And reminding people that under no circumstances can the church condone the four sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance. And yet, that seems to be exactly what we're doing today. That seems to be exactly where we're at. Don't mind the sound of that helicopter. They're probably not coming to get me. <laughs> Actually, I know they're not. That helicopter is a Border Patrol helicopter. <clears throat> I had to pause that because their their flight path actually goes directly over my house, which is wonderful. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I live on final approach to the airport. <clears throat> We have to know our faith. We have to understand our faith. We have to understand the sacred traditions. We have to allow we have to make sure that we know enough about our faith that when some priest pops off the mouth about, "Oh no, we're going to go ahead and bless this same-sex union." Garbage, trash. Anathema sit. Oh no, if you're divorced or remarried, you can certainly receive communion. Garbage, trash. Anathema sit. Oh, it doesn't actually matter as to the uh, condition of one's of, of a penitent. As soon as they approach the confessional, they don't even actually have to say anything. You can still grant them ab absolution, and they can receive Holy Communion. Garbage. Trash. Anathema sit. Why? Because contrition, because a purpose of amendment, because, because the desire to amend your life and to convert in order that you're following the instructions and the teachings of our Lord is necessary to be reconciled with Holy Mother Church. Which, by the way, was one of the other topics in the Dubia. 
Because evidently, Pope Francis has come out on multiple occasions and said he's never denied absolution and he's never denied communion. And we've seen that because he did because he's never desi- denied communion even to rampant, rapacious public sinners. Advocates in favor of murdering babies. He has held audiences with same-sex couples and trans people. And he's attacked the Apostolic Mass, the Mass of the Ages, the Tridentine Mass, the traditional Latin Mass, whatever you want to call it. He has attacked the Mass while not correcting the clown Novus Ordo services. He's permitted sacrilege of all forms and corrected none of them. And he's come down hard on anybody who wants to hold on to tradition. And more importantly, and this is actually something to kind of keep in mind, Pope St. Pius X and Pope Pius XII both said this. Hold fast to tradition. When you do, the detractors will call you rigid and clerical. They'll say you're retrograde. And that's fine. Because they're heretics and apostates. And Pope St. Pius X actually took it one one step further and said modernists and liberals want to be want to be caressed <clears throat> with with soft balm and 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 caresses when in fact you should be punching in punching them and beating them and hitting them as hard as you can and not counting the blows. That's Pope Saint Pius X of holy memory. They wanted they want to be treated all sweet. And you should pretty much beat them halfway to death until they repent. <clears throat> and contrary to the modern belief, accompaniment and dialogue do not equal charity. We meet people where they are and then we bring them to the cro- to the cross of our Lord. We entreat them to convert. We admonish them that the fatal path they're on leads only to damnation and destruction. We do not accept their evils. We show them why they need to ch- they need to change. Our Lord said, "Pick up, pick up your cross and follow me." And for some of us, 
It's going to be really, really hard. All forms of diabolic disorder, mental disorders, emotional disorders, things that we believe are, are our identity, and they're not. Unless you make them your identity. But if you make them your identity, remember that God had had an identity for you. And if your identity doesn't match what he had for you, there's nothing but suffering, pain, despair, and death down that path. Our Lord said, your sins are forgiven. Go forth and sin no more. He didn't say, oh, no, it's cool. Just live in that filth. Whatever ends up happening. I mean, this is kind of a big, this is, this is a big deal. <clears throat> you got a bishop who's got an evil past and came to light after, like right after he just got appointed for a high office too. You've got a dubia coming out right at the beginning of the synod and synodality. You have an archbishop who is taking the Father Altman argument and further expanding it, not in a condemnation of Francis, because to be sure, he doesn't really spend a whole lot of time condemning him. What he does is he questions what it is that we as a church are going to do about it. <clears throat> and after... If I recall correctly, I think Bishop Bishop Strickland and Bishop Schneider were both were both supposed to be in attendance at the Catholic Identity Conference, and so I understand why uh, Michael Matt did not play the video um, because it get it would get tremendously uncomfortable if Bishop Schneider is there in person and Archbishop Vigano mentions him by name. And it would have been tremendously disruptive. Tremendously disruptive. But... We'll see what the remnant decides to do about this video. And how they decide to talk about it. Because I also believe that Archbishop Vigano put them in a very difficult position because just last week... Michael Matt was talking about how he did not want to entertain that part of the argument. And he didn't condemn Father Altman in so many words, but he did say that's not the argument where we need to be. And in that, I lean towards agreement. <clears throat> we need to figure out this ultramontanist question. We need to figure out and clearly delineate where this line is. We need to make sure that Catholics know and understand what it means to be obedient to your superiors. And when being obedient to your superiors contravenes being obedient to God, where that lands too. And we also have to remember, particularly as the lay faithful, it means something a little bit different 
for us. Because we don't, we don't take vows of obedience. After a manner, we're kind of the check and balance. on the Episcopacy. Because historically they would have known because all of a sudden, you know, the lay the lay folk the lay folk in positions of power start moving start moving against the church. Well the issue is is that all of the lay folk that are in positions of power happen to agree with the direction the church is going and the direction the church is going is antichrist. And so we're gonna have to fix that. We're gonna have to figure that out. As for us lay folk, while the church hierarchy is figuring all of that out, we need to be praying. We need to be praying for the conversion of Pope Francis. We need to be praying for the protection of Archbishop Vigano. We need to be praying for the for the protection and enlightenment of Bishop Schneider. We need to be pray, praying for the protection and enlightenment of the of the uh, Dubia Cardinals, now five strong. We need to be praying for the protection of Bishop Joseph Strickland. We need to be praying for all of their protection and all of their enlightenment so that they follow Christ. Because this is a time of diabolic disorientation. This is a time of disorder and chaos. And that's just what it is. We brought this on ourselves. When Our Lady said, Repent, do penance, make sacrifices, pray the rosary, what did we do? We didn't do any of that. And how many times does she have to show up to tell us that? Think about that for just a moment. How many times does she have to show up to tell us that? Because she told us about the because she told us about the rosary with Lords. She told she told she'd been telling us about the rosary all the way back to St. Dominic. St. Dominic, St. Simon Stock. Lords, Quito, Quebejo, La Salette, Nock, Hid, Fatima, Akita, Rome. <laughs> How many times she got to say the same thing? Pray fast, do penance, do penance. And most recently in this last century, it's been all about do penance and pray for the clergy. Pray for the shepherds. Pray for her son's shepherds. Time and time again, pray for her son's shepherds. And there are many of us who do, but there are many of us who don't. And those of us who don't are vastly outnumber those of us who do. Pope St. John Paul II held up the rosary. He said this, you pray, you fast, you do penance, you pray your rosary, you hold fast to the Catholic faith because it's not going to stop the times. It's not going to stop the judgment. The judgment has already been made. But it will mitigate the cost. It will mitigate the penalty. I mean, except for the modernists, praying the rosary has been pretty much unanimous. 
Pope Benedict said it. St. JP2 said it. Our Lady has said it time and time and time and time and time again. Priests have said it. Religious sisters and brothers have said it. I don't know what more you need. So pray. <clears throat> Take on some extra penances. Here in about a month, a little over a month, Saint Mike or excuse me, Saint Martin's Lent is going to start. After Saint Martin's Lent, we've got Advent. Now's the time. Now's the time. <clears throat> so, as always, pray for the church. Pray for your nation. And pray for us in Catholic social media. I have this distinctive feeling Michael Matt's going to need some extra prayers because, like I said, Archbishop Vigano put him in kind of a tight spot. <clears throat> Bishop Schneider said one thing. Archbishop Vigano said something else. And he's friends with both of them. So pray for him. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started <laughs> 